Welcome to the podcast for Resurrection Lutheran Church in Fredericksburg, Texas. I'm Pastor Garrett Buvinghausen. Today is Tuesday, January 19th, 2021. We are back for our regularly scheduled um, Bible studies on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. And we are here with the podcast. We always record the audio of the Bible study, and then we post it to our podcast channel. But now we are starting to do something a little bit more. We are also going to stream the Bible study video uh, live on YouTube, and it'll be posted afterward as well. And so if you want to listen to us here, that's fine, but you can also watch us uh, on YouTube at our YouTube channel, Resurrection Fredericksburg. So just go to YouTube, type in Resurrection Fredericksburg, or you can just go to our website and there's a link there as well. For this week though, I have to apologize because the streaming software that we use has a function on it where it can track my face and moves, you know, pans and zooms on wherever my face is. And so it did a lot of that today and over an hour that can make you kind of sick, I would imagine. I haven't seen the whole thing back, but from what I have seen, it's already a little shaky and moves around a lot. So I apologize for that. Next week, we'll keep it a still wide shot so that it's not packing, you know, tracking and panning and all this stuff. So if it makes you a little sick to watch, don't worry. You can just listen to the podcast here. Okay, so we have many ways to learn here from uh, Resurrection. Without further ado, today we are in Ecclesiastes for the next couple of weeks. For the next six weeks or so, we'll be in Ecclesiastes. This week, we were in chapters one through two. So without further ado, here is the Bible study. The Lord be with you. And with our spirit. Let us pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, through your Holy Spirit, you have enlightened the hearts of all believers by the gospel of your B- 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 beloved Son, uh, through the same Spirit, grant us a right understanding that we might always rejoice in His salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let me just check this real quick because this thing's following me around. Uh, I don't want the iPhone microphone, I want this microphone. Okay, so we are in Ecclesiastes. Chapters 1 through 2, I'm hoping that this will be only a six-week study. Um, close that. I'm hoping this will be only a six-week study. We'll do two chapters a week. And I was, I, I did what I did on the past ones, and I got, an, I got a commentary, and I, and I was kind of like, yeah, we're going to just parse this out. And then I figured wisdom literature is nebulous. It's all over the place, right? So what I figured I'd do is I'd lean on some help from Concordia Publishing House, and I got a Bible study instead, and this will at least give us some structure. Um, So with that, I'm going to um, ask y'all to take one of these and pass it down, and we'll just follow this as a bit of a, a guide, because... When it comes to wisdom, you can spend hours and hours and hours on these things, but uh, it's best to just go ahead and keep it concise, keep it pointed, and keep it fairly uh, simple to begin looking into these things and begin to um, start meditating on them, right? Uh, And what the overall message is. 
Okay. Um, so with Ecclesiastes one, we'll, we'll go through different sections here, right? Um, and I'll just I'll 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 read these things and I'll insert some thoughts and we'll have these questions and I'll 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 have y'all provide the answers uh, so that we can just kind of see what you think about all these things. So. Um, let's go ahead and read Ecclesiastes 1, 1 through 11. Who would like to do that for us? The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? One generation passes away, and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. The sun also rises, and the sun goes down, and hastens to the place where it, arose, where it arose. The wind goes toward the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the peace from which place from which the rivers come where they there they return again all things are full of labor man cannot express it the eye and not is not satisfied with seeing nor the ear filled with hearing that which has been is what will be that which is done is what will be done and there is nothing new under the sun is there anything of which it may be said? See, this is new. It has already been in the ancient times before us. Uh, one more? One more. Okay. Mm -hmm. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come by those who will come after. Okay. So... Bright and cheery book, right? Uh, Vanity of Vanities. Who was it that suggested that we do Ecclesiastes? Paul? Were you in a dark place, Paul? <laughs> no, but what I do remember, when I became a Lutheran and uh -huh. started going Bible study and all this stuff, when I did read Ecclesiastic, I said, man, this is a book I can relate to oh. real easy. Yeah. <laughs> Coming out of Roman Catholicism and everything, yeah. Well, it, okay, so yeah, it's 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 an interesting book. Um, we we read these things uh, here in these first eleven verses, and um, well, let's just read through our pages here, right? So uh, for the look portion, because this Bible study goes through look, discuss, and apply, right? So for the look, Christians approach life from the standpoint of faith in Jesus. He gives meaning and purpose to life. Everything we do in him brings glory to God and plays a role in the growth of his kingdom. As Christians, our lives are bound up with eternal realities. Solomon approached life from, from another d d direction. He looked at life under the sun and evaluated whether true and lasting meaning can be found here in this life. This is the wisdom Solomon set out to find for himself and then share with us. So we see in verse 1, the preacher. Who is the preacher? Solomon. 
possibly saw the you know it says most likely there's some debate but actually most of the consensus is that this is Solomon right it says vanity of vanity says the preacher um, you know the words of the preacher the son of David king in Jerusalem now just just to give some background on this uh, there was a dedication that um, uh, Solomon gave for the temple right uh, and it was a long speech so this is thought to be maybe something that he would say in the company of the rulers in Jerusalem at the time. And he was, uh, he was wise because he asked, God, God said, what would you like from me? And of all the things he could have asked for, he asked for wisdom, right? And God smiled on this. And so from here we see wisdom uh, in Ecclesiastes in Proverbs, and even in the Song of Solomon, right? The Song of Songs. Um, but we see here in verse 2, um, vanity. The theme of the book is that all human effort and experience is meaningless. Well, that's fun. Apart from God. That's a good point. Yes, that is, that is the thing. You know, the Hebrew word for vanity originally meant breath. That's why, um, you know, I... I was looking at some other resources just to kind of get a broad view of these things. And Dr. Kleinig, from uh, our study of that book, Grace Upon Grace, and he even wrote the commentary for Hebrews that we used, um, he's, he, translate, he translates uh, Ecclesiastes verses two, chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, merest breath, breath of breaths, says the preacher, all is just a breath. What is the profit for a person in all the work at which he works under the sun, right? So um, the activities we perform in life are as lasting as a breath of air. Um, and I think that's interesting. It makes this point. Interesting enough, Adam and Eve named their second son Abel, which is the same word Solomon used here. And Abel, his, his, his good works didn't last long either, right, before... He met his untimely death. Um, so let's move on to the discuss portion of this. Okay, What thought-provoking question does Solomon raise in verse 3? What, benefits, what benefit of it is, is it to, tar, to work hard? Yeah, what's, what's the point, right? I think in seminary, one of our Hebrew professors, um, he loved to preach on the Old Testament, of course. He's a Hebrew professor. Um, uh, professor Teets. And he, um, he preached on Ecclesiastes one time, and he just said, uh, whatever says the preacher. So for our text, you know, it's like whatever, 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 everything is just whatever, you know, and, and he, he made the point, this is not some exclamation by a moody teenager, but this is the result of contemplating this life, right? Um, and we see that he asks, what, is it, what does it matter that I work hard? Because my work doesn't last. Uh, the fruits wither away after a time. They rot. You know, things don't last as long as we want them to. Um, and we understand what that means with breath, with everything is a mere breath. Everything is 
vanity, right? Um, in fact, when we use the word vanity, it adds this extra characteristic that can also mean that we just do things for the sake of doing them sometimes, right? We just do things because we want to look good or something. Um, That's a definition of unionization. Unionization. <laughs> vanity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, care things, to elaborate? <laughs> yeah, do things for doing it. I mean, you don't care what, you're just doing your job and you go through the motion time after time after time after time, never growing, never accomplishing anything really other than the task that was set before you. Kind of like, uh, kind of like communism, mm -hmm. but uh, we won't go there. Yep. Um, <laughs> we'll okay, number one. Point. Go ahead. My, my Bible says teacher, not preacher. Okay. Um, yeah, the thing um, in in my uh, in my Bible, the ESV, it elaborates on that term. It, the term for preacher in the Hebrew is koheleth. And Koheleth means a lot of different things. It can mean teacher, it can mean preacher. The ESV makes the note uh, convener or collector, someone who gathers people together to hear them speak, right? So, it, you know, depending on your translation, it, it'll, it'll put forth something different, but that's why it's important to know some of these Hebrew words and terms. But I think Koheleth is the only word in this form to show up in the Bible. It's only here in this book. Um, what does your say, teacher? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have a no, new international version. Preacher has teacher in that. In the ESV it says preacher. What does it say in the New King James? That's what y'all have. Verse 1. Does it say preacher or teacher? Preacher. 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 So really, it's it's just understanding the nuances of translation and understanding that uh, it's really just someone who gathers someone together to expound and, and, well... Was the word preacher around back then? I thought it was like rabbi and rabbi. Sure. Teacher. Well, that's the thing, is that uh, this is a unique term only to this book, and... I need to look further into it, but Koheleth in the Hebrew, um, I believe, and I hope no one gets me on this one, but I believe that it's something along the lines of someone who uh, explicitly gathers together in a different way from teaching like a rabbi would. Yeah, I had read, if not there, on the internet, a similar yeah, someone who speaks to the assembly, which is why it's called Ecclesiastes, because in the Latin, well, actually in the Greek, which was transliterated into the Latin, you would see it as Ecclesiastes, you know, so it would be a gathering together and a preaching of the gathered assembly. Um, so it's different from a rabbi in some way, um, but I guess synonymous. Um, but that's good questions, good questions. Um, but let's move on to the discussion here. So what observations about life in the world does Solomon make in the following verses? So verses 4 through 7, what observations about life in the world does Solomon make? In verses 4 through 7 read, uh, A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. 
The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes round to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. What is he trying to say here? What observation is he making? Life just goes on and on and on. Yeah. To me, it's like people come and go, but God's forever. Yeah. That's a good way to see it. Yeah, so... If you look out in nature, you see things just kind of keep on going. Sounds like well, yeah, sounds like life in general, right? Um, you know, I think that we get there's 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 a temptation nowadays in this world that is uh, post-Christian, I guess you could say. There's a, a a temptation in this world to go back to what the pagans would believe, which is that everything just keeps going around and around and around. There's no end to any of it. It's all just going around and around and around. It's never going to end. That is a futile pagan belief that we don't hold as Christians. We believe there will be an end, uh, and that end is glorious for those who believe in Christ. But, you know, for the pagans, uh, they'll be sorely mistaken and find out that on the last day, that will be the end, especially for them, right? Um, but we see here that uh, this is kind of what you see when you look out into nature. And pagans, the heathens, right, as they say in the old, uh, the old English uh, words, you know, the heathens or the pagans, they just believe that, you know, you live, you die, hopefully in between there you have some kids and that's it, right? Or you live a good life to have a family and provide for who you can and hopefully things work out, right? It's such a bleak look at life and it's exactly what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1 that the people who, are, who become futile in their thinking, they look at the world and they see, well, the sun goes up, the sun goes down, Someone will say, I think a friend of mine in college, um, really it was more like an acquaintance, but he said, he said, you know, uh, no matter how bad things get, I always know the sun will rise tomorrow. You know, the earth is not going to get, get thrown off of, off of its axis and everything's going to go off. Like, the sun will rise tomorrow and it's going to be okay. And I think to myself, how can that be hopeful at all? Especially if you just had a horrible day. Yeah. Why wouldn't the next day be just as bad, if not worse? Right? So there's really no hope in thinking these things if you really, really think about it. But yeah, nature is a steady, repetitive flow of events. It's actually pretty miraculous, if you want to think of it on a different level, that God allows these things to just keep on going. And they just, they just happen, right? Like he said, the stream, all streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. Right? There's this balance that's kept within nature so that life can be sustained and cared for. But if that's all you look to, what else is there? Right? Um, any, any more comments about that? Verses 4 through 7? No? Yeah? Well, it makes me kind of think about, because uh, especially with the generations, you know, there's always kind of a temptation to look back and say, well, the you know, our generation was better than the one that's here now, and this is terrible, or we need to go back to what was, or okay. rather than looking at, as the life of a Christian, our march towards, you know, Christ's return. 
mm-hmm. and just continuing to live in the faith and not, you know, I don't know, kind of, you need to look more towards the eternal, I think. Yeah, definitely. And just, I, yeah. Then just what, the... Just the kind of, like you said, the cyclical kind of right. just keeps going. Well, the thing is, is that we don't deny, there's, there's, a, there's definitely a, and I might even use the board so people on the internet can see I'm using the board, but you see that in, uh, in Western thinking of time, we think on a straight line, right? We think more like, you know, here's the beginning, right? And then that's the beginning, and then it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and goes until you get to the end, right? And this happens here, and that happens there, and these few things happen here, and that, 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 and it just kind of just goes on and on and on and on in a straight line. We have a very linear way of thinking, but the more, and so this is the Western view of things. Um, the Eastern view, which we have to be careful with, uh, is a little more interesting in that um, I, I wouldn't even say you could go left to right or whatever. I, it, it, was, it was explained to me in this way. It's more of a coil. So you're going from the bottom and you go up 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 like that, right? So this is the beginning and this is the end up here. Uh, but it's cyclical. You go through these cycles of life. Um, but there is an end, right? In, a, in, in the Eastern Christian mindset, that is the end. And so you can see this within, um, you know, you can see this definitely within John's Gospel. That there are these cycles of what's going on. You know, Jesus will be in the temple one time and then he'll be in and, and then he'll leave and then he'll come back to the temple and then leave and come back and then just kind of goes so cyclical but it's not an endless circle that's what we have to keep in mind that time is not an endless circle that just has no end but instead it's probably more helpful to think of it as a spiral that this that this point here is not the same as this point down here but they kind of resemble each other at least, right? It's like the saying, history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. See, so when you see things like dictators rising in power in certain countries, you can say, hey, this might happen, right? Or you can say, uh, you know, when, when, some, when um, a certain idea is taking hold of a country, like, let's say, with... America, uh, we are becoming more and more secular, but at the same, and, and so you can say, I don't know what's going to happen, maybe God will come, maybe Christ will come back before it really gets bad, or maybe we will have people realize just how bad it is, and we'll have kind of a renaissance in Christian thought and devotion to where we won't get as bad as what it could be, but if we don't, you can pretty much bet things aren't going to get good. Things are going to get really bad. Because we've seen it here, here, and here in history, similarly. And that helps to think of it in more of the, the cyclical way. And even our church here follows in that path, too. We have Advent every year. We have Christmas every year. We have these highs and lows, these ebbs and flows 
in the church year to say, hey, we're always, you know, until Christ comes back, we're always going to have Advent, and we're always going to have Christmas, we're always going to have Epiphany, we're going to have Lent, we're going to have Easter, we're going to have Trinity, we're going to have all these things, but this year's Christmas looks a lot different from last year's, but we still celebrate the same thing. It might have a different focus, but it's same same focus. It, it, it's the same overall emphasis and message, I guess you could say. So, nature is a steady, repetitive flow of events as per versus, um, you know, I'll leave this up until I have something else to put. Um, what about verse 8? What is Solomon uh, making an observation about in verse 8, which reads, All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What's he getting at there? Just waiting for the next thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other thoughts on that? Verse 8. Waiting for the next thing. What else? Yeah, things aren't good enough, typically, right? Things can always be better. Um, you know, living is a struggle. Uh, you get up in the morning and you hope for the best, but, but if we pay attention to what came, came before in Scripture, what was the, what was the uh, negative promise, as it were, to um, mankind after the fall into sin? Was it, was it good or was it bad? No, eternal death. Yeah, there was the possibility of eternal death. There was the guarantee of death, at least physically. Pain, suffering. Pain and suffering. Women, your childbearing pains will be increased, you know, where they would have been a joy. Men, you will, you will eat bread by the sweat of your brow. You, you know, you will plant wheat, but thorns and thistles you will raise, right? So these things of, you're going to work and work and work and work and work and work and work. And the thing is, though, is that when you eat, do you stay full? You get hungry again, right? Yeah. When you drink water, do you, does your thirst stay satisfied? You get thirsty again, right? The, the sinful nature of our flesh keeps things from being as good as what God first made them to be, right? So this just adds on to the vanity of things, right? It's not, it's not a pretty picture. Well, and what I get out of verse 8, too, is mm -hmm. the things are, are not as good as they look. Yeah, you know, you you look at something and say, "Oh, that'd really be nice," and then when you yeah. get it, it turns out to be a disaster. Yeah, I mean, what I think of in you saying that is, you go to the store and you buy this beautiful red apple, and it feels oh, it's like oh, this is probably a good one. It's nice and crisp. You bite into it and it's mealy. It's gross. It's it's soft. Or but rotten. some what's that? Or rotten. Or rotten, right? So so, but like you you look at this apple and sometimes you get a really good apple, but. You try your best to find it, and then when you take a bite of it, it's it's it just crumbly and it's not it's not crisp, it's not good, right? That's always a possibility. Um, that's kind of that's kind of what this makes me think of, you know. Um, the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Uh, and in some ways, because we're not satisfied, though, 
and 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 this is a very Ecclesiastes is is, is a always relevant book just like any books of wisdom because it deals with the generalities of life it deals with the struggles of life it deals with the focus of what life should be right uh, because we as Christians and and you know I'm probably going to get a little political in some of these things but the political movements in the world are typically if if they aren't if if their aim is not what the Bible says the aim should be, then we shouldn't give them any credence, okay? Because the thing is, is that you hear things like, you know, oh, but that's so progressive. That's such a progressive thought. Progressing towards what? Well, something better. Uh, what is better then? What are you talking about? I mean, people, but people do things for their own sake because they see them as progressive. They're progressing towards something better, toward equality or, um, you know, something, some, some sort of idol that people hold in their hearts. And the thing is, is that if that's moving toward a goal that is moving you further away from God, run away. Just leave it alone. Don't listen to it. Um, and that's a very simple um, example of things, but... You see it all throughout, you know, uh, life in general, that people will run towards things that they think are good, and they come to find out that, you know, when you have ideas like the ends justify the means, you'll do anything you can to make your goal achievable, even killing people, even starving people, even stealing from people, right? So it all depends on what your goal is. And if your goal is separate from what Scripture says is good, have nothing to do with it. Just run away. Um, so, okay. Oh, I'm so enlightened by all this. This is so much fun. Um, <laughs> all right, how about, how about verses 9 and 10, which read, uh, what, what has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, See, this is new. It has been already in the ages before us. What is Solomon getting at here? It's pretty plain. Life repeats itself. Yeah, there's nothing History new. History repeats itself. Yeah, or it looks similar to what it was right. before. Like, there will be... This, this is what's interesting, and, 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 and I hope you hear me correctly in this, that America, I love, I love being an American. I love living in this country. But the thing is, is that um, we ought not fall into the trap of thinking that we are any better or any more unique than nations that have come before us. What I mean by that is that we have had so many technological advancements, we have had so many blessings for people, for humanity across the world, but we as a nation, full of sinners, face the same pitfalls as nations that have come before us, right? Uh, you, you, and, and the thing is, is that when you understand that, it's not to get you sad, it's not to get you depressed, it's, it's to help you to understand Exactly what Solomon is, is what exactly what Solomon is trying to say here. There's nothing new. America is different. It is unique in its own way. But in terms of how it can fall 
and how things can go bad, it's going to look very similar to nations that have come before. Yeah. Well, it's like if you in boil, some way. If you boil it down to the vices, I mean, you yeah. can find it in every single... What do you mean by the vices? Like, if you look at, you know, United States, England, Africa, Africa is a com whatever. All the different countries and uh, continents and everything, they all look different. Some are third world, some are first, all this stuff. But when you boil it down to just uh, virtues or vices, you know, you can find it in all of it. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, spans history, too. And um, the, the first thing that comes to mind is... In, Stop me from going off. No, but it makes me think about, you know, um, not, to, not to bring up, you know, Tupelo, I guess, but, you know, there's, you know, blatant, um, like, child sacrifice. Mm. And okay. today, you have to look at it in a little bit of a different kind of way, but we still have it. You, you know? want to go there, huh? <laughs> well, I know you're right. You see, uh, in fact, I think there's a there's there's a video online of, of this pro pro life group that shows it's it's pretty disturbing actually. Um, there's this video online of this pro life group that has this this um, animation showing the ways in which pa pagan cultures in the past have sacrificed children to appease the gods, including. I think the Aztecs and the Mayans, the Canaanites, right? They would they would they would sacrifice children on an altar. It was disgusting. It was actually it was one of the things that God condemns unreservedly. And then they say, but this is nothing new. We do this every day. Uh, you sacrifice your child in the womb when you would rather have a career, or when you would rather um, uh, keep a nice uh, fit body. Right? Um, and so you sacrifice, you're going to make a sacrifice somewhere, and some people will do the same things. And so even though it looks a little different, it's all for the same idols. It's for favor in some way that you sacrifice a child in abortion. So, and, and that's, that's getting very dark, but you know what? That is part of the sinful nature of man, that people would seriously weigh the two and say, baby full of uh, you know hassles and feeding and caring poopy diapers ooh gross um, having a job getting more paycheck you know uh, getting getting notoriety ooh that's nice that's 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 very nice right and you start to hold these things higher than what god calls good so so that's that's i'm glad you went there because it's very interesting uh, to see how there really is nothing new. It's just called by a different name. Well, and Luther says, you know, a god is nothing but what you put all your trust in. Right. So it might not be that little golden idol sitting on your mantle, but it is, <laughs> you know, yeah. whatever it is you're holding up as the ultimate, you know, thing. Right. And the thing is, is that this is not, this, this, this is to get people to realize the seriousness of the matter, but it's also to get them to realize that... You know, these are serious things, but also that there is hope. If, if, there, if there is anyone who has had an abortion, we don't want them to remain in whatever despair that has caused them. We want them to realize that there is hope and salvation through Christ, right? That that sin can be forgiven, but if they don't see it as a sin, they won't ask for forgiveness. They won't realize that they need that, that 
forgiveness, right? So we have to be blunt in some ways about these things, but also ready to uh, preach the gospel when it needs to be preached. All right, we're, we're dragging here a little bit, but this, this is good stuff, right? Um, what about verse, verse 11, uh, which reads, There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things, yet to be among those who come after. Um, what is he getting at here? Same old story. Man doesn't learn from history. He keeps repeating the same mistakes over and over. Yeah. People who forget... People forget those who went before them and are themselves forgotten when they pass on, right? Uh, kind of the same thing of those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it, right? Uh, but also, to say, I think... what I. I listen to podcasts a lot, and there's this 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 one um, um, professor at the seminary who said he he's really into genealogy, and his his ancestors were uh, on the Mayflower, right? They came over uh, and landed at Plymouth Rock, and they and his ancestors, by the grace of God, survived whatever whatever hard dark. Uh, whatever hard and dark winters they lived through. And he said, you know, I look back on it, and the only thing I see is a timeline. I have their names, but the only thing that I really care about is that they had kids, and then they had kids, and then they had kids, and now I'm here, right? Uh, that's not to say that what that person did wasn't important for their family or whatever, because their family survived. That was important. But the other thing is, is that they're not going to care um, whether you dug a hole three feet deep or five feet deep, right? They're going to care that you survived, that you passed on your, your name and your legacy, which for us as Christians is faith, right? That's what's important, is that we pass this heritage on to our children, to our children's children. God says... Um, you know, in the small catechism quoting Exodus, what, is, what does God say concerning these Ten Commandments? That those who, uh, that um, he will seek punishment for the, the children of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but promises blessing and life to those, to, what is it? Help me out here. To the thousandth generation, basically, of those who love me and keep my commandments. So it's, it's this understanding of, and, and you know, train up a child in the way that he should go and he will not depart from it, right? Hopefully we would instill these things and by the grace of God they would be sustained within them. Uh, but people who forget, but typically you forget what happened before. Because of, oftentimes you're more worried about what's going on with your own life, right? Um, what is Solomon's sobering assessment of life in this world? Verse 2. Meaningless. Yeah, it's like a breath, like, <sighs> that's my life. That's it. That's, that's all it is. What you can't, it can't be grasped. It, it might be felt in some way, but even that feeling goes away after a second, right? It's, a, it's, it's, it's fleeting. It's fleeting. So, uh, all of this yeah. is, is wisdom, but it's human wisdom. That's, that's a good and, point. And, <laughs> and there's God's wisdom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
discern between the two. Right. And I mean, all of this, yeah, but it's, it's human. <laughs> yeah, it's human. It's human wisdom. Like I said, the pagan thought that it never ends, right? See, we would, we would say it's more than just living and dying and between those things having children and a family that will survive and carry on your name. For us, it's more than that. We would hope that they would carry on the name Christian, right? We would hope they would carry on the name of Christ. Not just Bovinghausen, Shade, Garza, whatever. It's, it's, it's not about that. It's about the name of Christ being carried on. But to those who don't know Christ, it is about their name. It is about their progeny. It is about their worldly success in life, right? For the apply section, though, we're going to skip over that. I'll leave that for y'all. If y'all want to talk about that later, we need to keep moving here uh, through, through Ecclesiastes because we're running, you know, I, we got about 20 minutes left in the hour. We can stay a little bit later to get the full hour time. I'm sorry we started late, but um, let's, let's move on to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Who wants to read that for us? I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this too is chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you see there, verse 12, I, the preacher, or the teacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, helps us know who wrote the book, which was Solomon, right? Uh, so what was Solomon's goal, verse 13, um, when he says, And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an, happy biz it is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of men to be busy with. What, is, what was his goal? To become wise. Yeah, what else? Or to yeah. To understand where God put us here. Yeah, to be to to explore everything that could be done in this world, right? To um, search out all wisdom that is done under heaven. Um, what qualified Solomon to do this work? Verse sixteen. He was given wisdom specifically wisdom. by God. Yeah, he was he was given wisdom by God because he because speci God specifically asked him, "What do you what What does your heart desire? What would you like?" And he said, "To be wise, right?" Um, it was a special degree of wisdom so he could rule well, right? Because the kingdom was united under David and then under Solomon, uh, but then after Solomon died, the kingdom split, right? 
uh, it turned into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. But Solomon was able to hold it together and possibly because of his wisdom, right? Uh, he was able to rule justly. Um, relate verse, verse 13 with 15. Why is seeking answers to life an unhappy business? So verse 13, I applied my heart. So uh, it, it is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. What, why is seeking answers to life an unhappy business? Go ahead. Because sometimes those answers are terrible. That's yeah. the reality of the situation. They're either terrible or they can't be found. Right? Um, <clears throat> and man doesn't truly understand God. Yeah. Not in and of himself, right? Right. Again, going back to Romans 1, Paul talks about the futility of our minds that we would hold up the creation instead of the creator. Right. We would look at what can be made, which is why God said, do not make any graven images. Um, you know, and, and I'm not going to get off the rails on this as far as iconography or whatever, but when the Israelites made a golden calf, saying, this is the Lord your God who has delivered you up out of Israel, or sorry, out of Egypt, sorry, delivered you up out of Egypt. God did not smile on that. That is not what he would have them do because he did not want to be made in the likeness of something that he created in that way. But he did eventually, you know, this, it's kind of the whole thing of uh, there, there are some Christians who cannot stand depictions of Jesus because they'll say, you're worshiping an idol, it's a graven image, you know, and you'll have uh, a, a renumbering of the Ten Commandments to where the second commandment is, uh, you shall not make any graven images. But for us, we say, that's all part of creating an idol and thus not worshiping the one true God. So if they say, if you have a picture of Jesus, that's an idol. It's like, he made himself into the image of man. What do you want? You know, you can't, you can't necessarily be fair on that, being an iconoclast. But... Many things are twisted in life, uh, and we even twist our understanding about where our focus and our devotion should be, right? Um, and yeah, it's, it's an unhappy business because we lack a whole bunch of things. We're not always using our common sense. We don't always have the resources to do what needs to be done. Uh, we also don't always love our neighbor. Uh, and because these things are lacking, true, true life cannot be explained in and of itself. Right? Sin skews everything. Um, hmm, we got a lot to get through. <laughs> Any other questions on these y'all really want to touch on before we move on here? I mean, I would, I would encourage y'all to go home and ponder these things as well. Uh, maybe add them to your daily devotions. Uh, because you see, Solomon knew God had given him great wisdom. What was Solomon's ultimate quest according to verse 17? Hmm. Verse 17 says, I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived what 
I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind. So what was, what was his ultimate quest? To judge fairly and understand the events that happened, whether they were man's folliness or God's act. Yeah. So to, to use wisdom as an end to find out the meaning of wisdom, right? Um, he thought that maybe gaining wisdom uh, would not be meaningless. That was his hope. So what conclusion does Solomon reach about the pursuit of human wisdom and knowledge as the basis for a satisfying life? What conclusion does he reach? He hated What's that? He hated life. He, he, did he hate life or did he just see it as pointless? And, it, and is there a difference? Because I guess that's a good question. Well, it says here, life to him was a cruel joke. <laughs> is that in the notes of your study Bible? Yeah, from here. No, from your notes. <laughs> oh. On the very last page, verse 17. Oh, yeah. Wait, what? Can I check my head? No, I don't think so. You thought it was a joke? Chapter 2, verse 7. Oh, chapter 2. Oh, okay. I'm sorry about that. No, you're fine. Actually, no, that's how we use Scripture. We use it to interpret itself, right? Okay. So, yeah, he saw that it was just meaningless. Um, it was just striving after wind, right? Trying to lasso a cloud or something. It's just, it's just not going to work. Um the great philosophers, and now on to apply, the great philosophers of the world have tried to understand life. Have they arrived at a consensus? What do y'all think? Yeah, nobody knows <laughs> anything. Yeah. Uh, Plato, Plato did not agree with Aristotle. Aristotle did not always agree with Socrates. Uh, and Confucius had his own thing going on. All these different philosophers all over the place are saying, the meaning of life is this. And like, no, you're... That's wrong. This is the meaning of life, and this is what the pursuit of blah, 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 blah. There is no consensus, because they're falling short. They're, they're striving after wind, right? Um, so, I, huh? Yeah, go ahead. I know nothing, and I can prove it. Ask me a question. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this, though. You know, for all the philosophers and, and the, the, the intricacies that they put forward as the meanings of these different things... Socrates was, um, was, was wise in a certain sense. And it's the same sense as Solomon here when he said, um, I know that I know nothing. <laughs> it sounds tricky, sounds paradoxical, but there's some truth to it, right? I know that I know nothing. Um, so at least he's got that right. Um, Solomon said that God has laid a heavy burden on men. What is this burden? What is that burden? Working for the rest of your life. Yeah, working, making sense of why that work is important probably too. What's the point? Well, it says here in my... He was fatigued as he aged. 
and okay. his sorrow increased. Yeah. Yeah, things get harder to do. Yeah. Right. Um, humanistic wisdom, wisdom without God leads to grief and sorrow. Right. <coughs> um, yeah. So, so far we're on a very happy start here. Um, for the sake of time, I'll just go ahead and read through chapter 2, and we'll just kind of punch on some of these questions here, okay? We'll, we'll end our discussion on chapter 2. Uh, we'll do a quick little brief recap if you all have more to talk about on it next time. But for chapter 2, I'll just read through it real quick, and then we'll discuss some of these points that are on your uh, piece of paper here. Uh, so, chapter 2. I said in my heart, Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, It is mad. And of pleasure, What use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during, during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which, from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had, who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the children of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my, and, and whatever my eyes desired I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, and there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the, that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is, is vanity. For to the wise, as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous, was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after wind. 
I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool? Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my, and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is this also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. Wow. So uplifting. Um, so. Let's all die. What's that? Yeah, right? What's the point, right? Um, I'll just cherry pick some of these questions here. Um, what are some of the avenues of pleasure Solomon pursued? Could you say that he lacked in any avenue of pleasure? No. No, he just kept himself busy. <laughs> yeah, busy, busy in ways that are not great either. Um, you know, the, the, well, you know, planting a garden is fine, but concubines are not. So, well, that's you know. true, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so you have, well, you have all these. do it. The what's that? Did it. He didn't do it. The slaves did it. Slaves did what? Oh, the, the gardens and everything? Yeah. Right, yeah. He paid for it. He enjoyed their toil and this, that. Yeah, yeah and that might be what he's talking about at the end there, saying, yeah. you know, that even uh, the, uh, but to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to one who pleases God, right? I mean, that's possibly part of it too. And there's, there's all kinds of things. So Solomon said, I had everything at my disposal. He was, he was like the Bill Gates of his world, you know? He had everything. Everything he could possibly want. Was it good enough? Nope. Never is. Never is, right? <laughs> um, so then he gives us money to, to wreck the country. Solomon so, or, or, or Bill Gates? Both. <laughs> <laughs> both. I mean, yeah. both of them in the country fail, fell after they died. Bill Gates is destroy, trying to destroy this one. Well. We won't get into that. But you know, it's it's when you have so much money. You know, it's you 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 have you have a point that I think that people like Bill Gates should pay attention to, is that you can you can buy up all these assets, you can buy up all these investments and things like that, thinking that whatever legacy you leave is going to be the end all be all of whatever. But in the end, I mean, here's the thing: you've heard of Rockefeller. What did he do? Built oil. What else did he do? Library. Library and all these other things, right? But I mean, in the end, is that stuff going to last? Only or is that stuff going to crumble? Only the Carnegie ones. 
the Carnegie, Carnegie, Carnegie Steel and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so you have all these things, uh, these benevolent, like they did the best they could, but in the end, if if that's all, I'm not I'm not trying to say this is all that they strive for, but if that's all they strive for, was it really worth it? No. In in the end, is it is it going to endure forever? No, it's not going to endure forever. Does that mean they're bad things? No. That means that we can derive some good things from them. But um, really, if you look at it, it's just it is it is vanity, right? Because all that's left is their name and whatever they left behind. Um, and most of the people don't know who they were or what they did. Right. Exactly. And most of the Carnegie libraries are just museums. Yeah. So. Nobody goes in there to read books anymore. I've never been yeah. in there. Anyways. Um, it was a good idea and probably worked well early on. But Yeah. Well, let me ask this last question on the apply section of uh, Ecclesiastes 2, 1 through 11. Is it wrong to enjoy things? Heck no. That's what I've got to put on there. Right. Is it wrong to have ambition and pursue goals and plans? No. 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 Right? If it was, what are we doing here in church? That's right. right. What's the point of even gathering for Bible study? What's the point of even coming to church on a Sunday if it's all meaningless, right? But that's something different, right? That's something different. That has eternal consequences to it. Um, it's, not in, it's not wrong to enjoy things and pursue goals and plans. It's wrong to think they will last and be the source of, of ultimate and lasting change, right? Um, what we do here at Resurrection, what I do here as your pastor, um, hopefully will carry on for some time. But if for some reason I die or get called somewhere else and I take the call or whatever, I'm not saying that I will. I'm just saying that in the eventuality, I'm not going to last here, right? And so all, all the work that I've done here will last for a time. But in the end... It's going to get passed on to somebody else, and hopefully, short of Christ coming back, you know that they'll they'll continue on in the legacy of faith that we've established here, right? But the seeds you plant in individual members will go on to bigger and better things. Maybe not here. I would hope so. Elsewhere. I would hope so. It always does. That's right. the way God's work word works. I would, you know, and that is the hope because God makes good on His word, right? That is that is our hope. Um, for the last part here, verses 12 through 26, um, let me ask you this. What is, I guess this is a good way to, to sum this all up. What is the best thing that can happen to us in this life? That's the last question there on discuss. What's that? When we die. Okay. <laughs> to die in Christ. Right. Yeah. For yeah, like Paul says, right? Yeah, right. Just die already. No, it's not that. The point is, is that you know, like Paul says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. But also, we ought to strive. You know, the best thing that can happen to us in this life is um, finding satisfaction in our work, not because it is something that we have our our identities wrapped up in, but to find satisfaction in our work because it's showing love to our neighbor, sharing the love of Christ with others because Christ first loved us, right? Enjoying things because of the Holy Spirit granting us the, the faith and the knowledge of salvation 
so that we can go and serve joyfully and be, and, and be able to say, whatever good comes from this is not from me. It's from God, and God be praised, right? So that is the best thing that can happen to us in this life, you know, that, that um, uh, we, we would have the ability to enjoy the good gifts of God. Like Solomon um, makes clear here, you know, he says, um, let me see. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? Right? We get caught up in this, this, this thinking that uh, my paycheck is what keeps our household going. Right? No. It's God's good and gracious provisions for you that you would even have a job in the first place. That there would be a need in the first place for whatever job your, uh, for whatever work your job is satisfying, right? So it's like, it's this understanding that everything comes from God. Again, going back to the beginning of this book, that God puts everything in place to every to where everything just kind of keeps going, and if He makes sure that the rain falls and that uh, the seeds that are planted grow, and that the people who gather the harvest, process everything, and get it to your table. You know, he can do all these things for your good, and we should give thanks to him, and we should enjoy them as good gifts. Uh, not, not falling into the trap of saying, it's all because of what I've done that I have what I have. Right? Um, but giving thanks to God for all that he has done, with, done for us, and does even more on top of that through salvation in Christ. Okay? It's a lot to get through, but read through, read through these discussion questions. We'll spend about uh, we'll spend about five to ten minutes next time. Pick pick one or two that you really were pondering over the next week, and bring it to discuss if you'd like. You know, um, this is for you, and so that you would enjoy you know the um, meditations and the contemplations of these texts. Hopefully, not stopping at whatever sorrow they might bring, but to say, hey, you know what? He's right. This life is fleeting, and the ultimate joy can be found in God himself, specifically through Christ. Right? Any, any closing comments, questions? That's too deep for me. Too deep. All right. Well, we'll stop it this, this week. We won't, we won't do any more next week. Well, I'm just thankful that the Lord gave me life. Amen. You know, he gives, he gives I mean, you life. That, that's... In both senses, right? The life you have right now and the everlasting life that is promised to you yeah, as mean, well. Yeah, I'm just glad I got to experience life here on earth. Right. Because many people don't get to do that yeah. for one reason or another. And I just thank him every day for letting me, I mean, I've had my highs and I've had my lows, but he has walked me through each one of them. And I'm just thankful that I was given life to experience here on earth. That's a good way to view it. Um, I would have rather gone straight to heaven. In some ways, in some ways that's a mercy, right? Uh, but in some ways it's a mercy. Uh, but yeah, no, that's. I mean, the the complexities of life and the the toils that we go through, in and of themselves, if we see them as the end, what's the point? Just like what Solomon is saying. Hopefully, by God's grace, we can see them as more than just vanity and 
fruitless pursuits, but that God achieves some goal that is for our good and for our neighbor's good as well. All right, well, we're, we're out of time. We're a little over time, but uh, I think that's good. We've had a good conversation. Anybody have any, anything else? No? I think we ought to slow it down a little bit and dig into it a little deeper. Go do it Yeah, yeah. I know, and you have to tell me if this is okay. I know last year before, whatever, when things were not what they were last year, um, I know that this Bible study was like an hour and a half. Um, do you want to go to an hour and a half? Would anybody be opposed to that? We'd be coming out or a little closer be, to lunchtime, so... Would that be... Well, I thought it is an hour and a half. No, it's 11. an hour. Well, we had it as 10 to 11.30, and then we shortened it to an hour because of not, not keeping people in a... I thought we were going to 11.30 anyway. Yeah. It's fine with me. Well, I mean, I, I kept it kind of short just, just, just to keep it as an hour, but, you know, because uh, for whatever reason, I thought it would be tidier as an hour. But if, if y'all want to go longer next time, um, we can do that. What do y'all think? Would y'all like we to go try longer? and see how it works. That as would long give us... as you hold up. I'm fine. Um, I'm fine. I love this stuff. It you makes know, that gap time in between what lunch. That's right. So next time we'll go for. Next time we'll try an hour and a half. If people got to go, you can go. You can watch it later. But but the thing is, is that next time that'll actually be good because we can discuss some of these things. It'll give you some time to think, ponder these questions, and reread the text, and come back ready to discuss about chapter two. And then we'll get into chapters three and four and, and get as deep as we can and, and, and hopefully we don't go over time. Uh, that sounds good. I'm always for more Bible. Come on, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, how about let's, let's end today, though, where we are because we're, we're a little over time. But, well, it's considered a practice run for next week. We'll go longer. Let's, let's close with, uh, let's close with the Lord's... Excuse me, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, 